Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Into the Burrow podcast. My name is Jared, and joining me as always is Linda. Hello, everyone. And also, I just realized, I remember last episode uh, when you made fun of my intro voice. <laughs> as I was doing my intro voice, I was like, I am now a character of myself doing that intro oh, voice now. It's so sweet. Was- it's going to be iconic. Everyone's going to be like, hello, everyone. I really hope so, because if they're not, like, what's the point to live in? Exactly. You know. um, by the way, we didn't talk about it last week, but I do have an official nickname now. We have Spooky Linda on the show, but we also have Scary Jared. So that's a thing. I no, you like, have to be like Scary Jared, bitch. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> I. <laughs> but. Um, what's the point, Jared? What's I, the point? I know. I have Scary Terry on my wall right now looking at me, and I'm like, I know. I just. He's I, like, I you're disappointing you, bitch. me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just uh, I just rewatched that episode like last week. God, it's so good. Every time. Oh my Every god, my absolute favorite part of that episode is, is like Sopal just like, oh bitch. Oh bitch. <laughs> <laughs> when they're like helping him like in class. Yeah. So sweet. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> yeah, that no, that that's still probably one of the best episodes of Rick and Morty that I've ever experienced. It's amazing. Um in other news, I have finished Hill House, and so have you. Yes. But I have not started Bly Manor. I don't know if you have, but I haven't had any time. I am officially two episodes into it. I was planning on binge-watching it earlier this week when I had those two days off, but then you are like, I'm not going to finish it. Yeah, there was no way. with <laughs> I was. This was my mental breakdown week of school. Um, I did I'm indeed sorry. break down. I cried a little bit, but it's fine. We're moving past Jared. it. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it's, yeah, uh, it's fine. You know, I have three weeks left. I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish it. And then you're, you'll never hear me talk about it ever again. And honestly, that's probably going to be for the best. You know, it, you, you got this, Jared. You can make it through. You got it. I do got it. Um, do so got what, it. what do you think of Blight Manor? Uh, so it, it definitely is a lot different from Haunting of Hill House. Um, my only problem right now is that I'm not really grasping the characters as well as I did with Haunting of Hill House. Like when I first started watching Haunting of Hill House, like to actually watch it, <clears throat> I was immediately just entranced by the characters and i was hooked by the characters and that's something that i'm kind of struggling to do in this season um but i'm hoping it'll pick up a little bit more um maybe i just need to pay closer attention since that was kind of my problem my first time watching hill house like maybe this is just kind of the tv show that i just need to watch that first episode twice before i can like continue yeah i uh I haven't watched any of it, so I, I have I have absolutely no input on Bly Manor. Um, I did want to, I was curious to ask you, like, it, I know that you haven't necessarily been fond of Victoria Pedretti's, like, performance in, like, everything that she's ever done. I knew uh, you were going to ask How did you feel this. by the end of Hill House, and also how do you feel now watching her in a completely different new role? You know what, guys? I'm an adult... 
I'm allowed to like have opinions and change my opinions. <laughs> and as much as I didn't want to change my opinion, because that chick like kind of freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. I I actually saw a lot of myself in her character, which honestly freaked me out even more. Cause I was like, how'd you do that? Because <laughs> it was just, it was kind of one of those, like, I'm the youngest sibling in a very tight knit family. And so since she's the youngest sibling that, you know, and she's also, you know, just kind of, you know, wanting the family to be together. That's how I am with my family. Like, I, I have a brother and sister who I'm really close to. I'm the baby of the family. And, you know, I love having my family together and being together. And, you know, that's pretty much what Nell just wanted at the end of that series. And I was just like, damn, girl, I feel you. <laughs> we got that youngest sibling vibe thing going on. And yeah. it made me hate her even more because I was starting to like her. And so I was and getting a little bitter. And you're talking about Hill House. Yeah. Yeah. Hill House. Okay. I thought so. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I haven't really watched enough of Bly Manor to have like a good opinion of her uh, for now. But I mean, after watching her in Hill House, I'm willing to watch something else with her in it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, Damn. I... That show got in my feelings, though. Like, shit. Yeah. That one hurt. It, it hurt did. my heart. I cried so many times at the end of that show. And, like, I think it speaks volumes to the writing team and Mike Flanagan and mm-hmm. um, just everyone involved in that project, the actors. Like, everything came together so perfectly for that show. Um, I think, I think that I would give The Haunting of Hill House a five out of five based on everything that it did it completely encapsulated me that two storms episode i literally watched that episode and then i wrote my entire like midterm paper for like um media studies essentially Mm -hmm. over that one episode and like it was so good it was just so good and I kept like going and watching like repeat scenes of it over and over again. And for those of you listening that have watched it, that's like the uh, episode where there's essentially like one long take. Um, obviously, I think most of the time there are invisible cuts here and there, but I think the longest shot in that episode was like 17 minutes or something like that. Um, I think the staging was perfect. I think the acting was perfect. And the awkwardness of that episode and how funny it was at the same time that this tragedy had just struck uh i don't know why i slept on this show i i, I don't Me either know. i mean pretty much any episode that was like mostly involved around nell or luke i cried in um i gave it a 10 out of 10 on imdb <laughs> oh wow yeah i did i was just like you know what i'll do it and Oh my god, like you said, the one long shot takes, especially in movies involving ghosts and having ghosts as Easter eggs or just, you know, having them in the background, it is absolutely brilliant. I love the camera work that they do with this. It, I just think it's very creative and it just kind of gives you even more of a haunting feel because it's not like you're going like shot by yeah. shot of like ghosts, no ghosts. It's just continuous. So it just feels even more real and it's just so cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think slowly but surely, 
just like James Wan, Mike Flanagan is starting to become like a powerhouse in horror for me. Mm-hmm. And while he's only producing Bly Manor, you know, he's not really directing any. I, well, he might he might have directed a couple episodes or something, but he didn't direct the whole thing. Um, you know, everything that I've seen from him recently, like specifically, I think back to like Doctor Sleep, and then I think to Hill House, and I'm like, no, this guy's doing some really interesting stuff, and like mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see more from Mike Flanagan. Oh yeah, and I and I love it when he works together with uh, Kate Siegel. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's a really great actress, and I loved her as Theo. I loved that representation of Theo. Um, in other like the haunting, haunting of Hill House, basically all the movies that came before this show, uh, the constants were Eleanor, Theo, and Luke. Um, in this show, they played siblings. In like the movies, they just played you know three different students or characters with no real connection amongst each other besides the house. And I just the representation of Theo in this show was my my favorite and i always loved uh seeing theo in the other movies but this was just it blew me away it was a very creative take on her and i really liked that yeah theo was by far i think the most like intriguing character for me mm-hmm. um and you just don't get enough of her like every like i wish we had i like how they did the individual story episodes with the characters right like you had a bunch of different episodes at the beginning of the show that basically revolved around one of the kids Mm-hmm. And that was a really like creative structure to take, but also like it allowed us to actually exist with the characters. And then you add in the the nonlinear format with it where we're bouncing back and forth and back and forth. It didn't feel mm-hmm. tired or anything, which I was really surprised because by the end you're by the end you still don't completely know what's going on. Like they kept you like in that show, like engaged, entrenched the whole series up until the final episode and uh i just thought that like everything that they did with the show just i i don't know that i would change anything about it except maybe getting more theo scenes absolutely and i i know we probably i'm pretty sure we talked about this the last time we talked about the haunting of hill house um but god i just loved the connection between the adult actors and the child actors just it's mm-hmm. such a smooth transition with the with the back, you know, with the background scenes and the backstories. Yeah, like because oh my gosh, both of them just play each of their characters so well, and it just it it's pretty much like watching the same person, even though it's two different people, and it, that's very hard to do when you're you know doing backstory episodes with you know different actors playing the same character at different ages but this one is just flawless and i'm pretty sure we did talk about it last time because i keep wanting to mention the it movie which i'm pretty sure we mentioned Mm because it it reminds me of the casting from it just how perfect it was yeah i i agree with that like 110 percent i mean like there's just not like like I said earlier like um yeah obviously it's pulling you know many different things from you know many different like um not only like many different horror movies but many different genres and it's kind of blending them all into this like nicely tight packed like story and beyond that you get these nice little callbacks all the easter eggs like you mentioned um it's just kind of the complete package and uh 
Yeah, I'm really actually surprised that you gave it a 10 out of 10. I also gave it <laughs> technically a perfect score on Letterboxd. So um, yeah, I can't wait to like dive into Bly Manor, see how I feel about that one. I okay. think that. And then there's also a show on Netflix called Evil. I don't know if you've heard of it, Linda. Um, but Evil uh, follows like a paranormal investigator, you know, into like different situations. Uh, but I've heard really good things about that show. And I think Bly Manor and Evil are going to be my next two binges. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have been seeing that on Netflix around. Um, I think a preview of that actually uh, came up after I watched Haunting of Hill House. It, it looked interesting. I think if you're going to give it a shot, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, my cousin who usually doesn't like like any horror movies or anything, he says it's really good. It was in my watch list for a while, but I just never like, I never dived into it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'll check it out, see if I like it or not, but, uh, who knows? I think that's a, another thing that I also really liked about the haunting of Hill house. I mean, even if you're not a horror fan, it's a great, show to watch and a great story to follow if it just it talks about grief and you know how individual people deal with grief in their own way and and how it ends up affecting you and so if you if you don't want to watch it for like the scares or for the ghosts i would definitely watch it just for that plot specifically because just like the fact that it's a movie or a show about hauntings, that is just one more constant that was going on throughout the whole show. And that also just made it a real gut puncher for a mm. lot of the episodes. It, yeah. it hurts you. <laughs> Those are the best kind of projects, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So. Let's let's see how we can make these these people cry, guys. Well, yeah, because you go in for one thing, you go in for like the fright, right? The terror, right. and you come out with so many more like emotions and insights. And that's what, that's what like inherently, I believe, like television and like cinema and like stories and, you know, um, yeah, just stories in general are supposed to make you do like feel like they're just supposed to make you literally feel. So. I know, but sometimes when I'm, like, watching something with a certain expectation, like, I I just go into something, like, hope and have a good time, then next thing I know, I'm like, damn it, I've been hurt. Help. <laughs> I've been hurt. <laughs> Me and love, Simon. Uh, <laughs> but Like, I didn't prepare myself for this. Yeah, I should have been prepared, but I wasn't. I, you know, it happens. It does, it does. Um. So yeah, that's the haunting of Hill House. Uh, when we get like, around to Bly Manor, maybe we'll talk about that. I mean, obviously, it's going to be like not in the conversation anymore when we talk about it, but we can still talk about it at some point. Yeah, um, we meant to be much quicker, but with all of the movies that we've been watching this month, you guys like give us give us give us some slack, cut us a little break. Y'all better um, be grateful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, 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 that's uh, the Hill House. And as far as uh, releases go in the future, we're going to try and release on Fridays. Um, I'm not going to say that's going to be a definite thing, but going <laughs> forward, Fridays are going to be the days that we're going to aim for um, just because I think it works better for our schedule. Although when we were talking about it, it seemed like it would work better. And then we actually get to this day, the recording, which basically we're recording on Thursday night, like late Thursday night. And, uh, you know, I... I don't, I don't know how uh, it didn't work out as well as I thought it would, <laughs> but 
um yeah well we're on conflicting schedules now too like you like open a lot and i'm like closing a lot so we have that very limited like window where we can talk and i don't know life keeps happening to us guys we're sorry i mean on the bright side we're watching all these movies so you can continue watching bly manor so i mean i'm not saying you should be thanking us but maybe you probably should be considering it (laughs) consider a thank you um yes no no we don't consider any thank yous we demand thank yous like you must thank us um no but yeah no uh so fridays fridays at some point on fridays no specific time just fridays probably friday afternoon um depending on like how things go but we'll see uh we may or may not take a brief break we'll see we'll kind of talk about it but while i'm in the final like three week stretch of classes and uh getting my degree i might have a limited amount of time outside of doing work and doing school to actually do anything with my life so um (laughs) depending on whether or not uh i can actually find some free time and then like our schedules mesh together we might take like a short like two week break three week break come back and then hit it hard after i'm done with school but um that's still up in the air i don't know if that's what we're doing or not but i will say that we are planning to release on friday so that's the one definite thing that i can assure you on going forward if we do end up taking that break i'm probably gonna dedicate it to some spooky linda related projects that i was supposed to be doing before halloween and then i just never did so (laughs) that's probably what i'm gonna do if we end up taking a break so yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's just school. It's just, I, I'm trying to free up as much time that way. I don't like write like all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy on all my essays, like, which is about what's Beautiful. about what's happening right now. <laughs> so copyright um, infringement. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah. Plagiarism. I'll get kicked out of the university. In my last <laughs> year. Um, that'll be fun. Oh, but yeah. yeah uh, Other than that, like we have a lot of news uh, to get to, but we are not going to cover all of it. So we're going to pick out a few things from the last two weeks. Obviously, we didn't do a podcast last week because we were still coming off the Night's Dream Film Festival and we had quite a bit to do. And like I had to like get all that ready. And that was a behemoth of a podcast to record. So we kind of took a small break, came back. But we missed a lot of like juicy horror news last week that I feel like we need to cover. So we're going to do that when we come back. Otherwise, enjoy this short little ad. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have, and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. 
And now for your last week's news update. Nelly Andreva of Deadline writes, I know what you did last summer. Amazon orders YA horror series based on movie. Amazon Studios has given a series greenlight to a YA horror series, I Know What You Did Last Summer, a modern take on the 1997 slasher film. The project hails from Sony Pictures Television and studio-based original film. Written by Sarah Goodman, based on the 1973 novel by Lois Duncan, the I Know What You Did Last Summer series has the same premise as the movie adaptation. In a town full of secrets, a group of teenagers are stalked by a mysterious killer a year after a fatal accident on their graduation night. Zach Scharf of IndieWire writes, The Snyder Cut adds Jared Leto's Joker. Batman's most infamous villain, the Joker, is returning in Zack Snyder's Justice League, more widely known as the Snyder Cut. Sources confirm to The Hollywood Reporter that Jared Leto will reprise his Suicide Squad iteration of the Joker in Snyder's reshot production. Leto's villain was not featured in the 2017 theatrical cut of Justice League. THR adds, quote, Shootings currently underway with Ben Affleck, Ray Fisher, and Amber Heard, among those involved on top of Leto. It is unclear which other actors are involved. Chaim Gardenberg of The Verge writes, Quibi is shutting down. Quibi, the short-form, mobile-focused streaming service, is shutting down after just over six months of operation, making it one of the shortest-lived streaming services to date, according to the Wall Street Journal. There is any number of factors that can be pointed to in unpacking Quibi's demise, the launch of a mobile-only streaming service at the height of a global pandemic where users were stuck at home, the lack of any real breakout content that was compelling enough to tempt subscribers, or the fact that the short-form video content had a nearly infinite amount of free competition in the form of YouTube, TikTok, and other platforms. Despite the nearly $2 billion, Quibi burst onto the scene with more of a whimper than a bang. While it had plenty of big names attached to its content and even managed to game its way into two Emmy Award wins, it never seemed to manage to actually garner many paid subscribers. A report from the tracking app Sensor Tower back in July claimed that Quibi had lost over 90% of its subscribers after the initial three-month trial ran out. Rebecca Rubin of Variety writes, Patrick Wilson to direct Insidious 5. A fifth film in the supernatural horror franchise is currently in the works, though a release date has not been set. The story picks up a decade after the events of 2018's Insidious The Last Key and sees the Lambert son Dalton heading to college. Jason Blum will produce the film for Blumhouse along with franchise creators James Wan and Lee Wanell. Julia Alexander of The Verge writes, Netflix is raising the price of its most popular plan to $14 today, premium tier increasing to $18. Netflix is introducing price hikes for its U.S. subscribers today, increasing the standard plan to $14 a month and its premium plan to $18 a month. The new pricing for a standard plan is a dollar more in price from a month ago, just at $13, while the new premium tier cost is a $2 increase. New subscribers will have to pay the updated monthly fees, while current subscribers will see their new prices over the next few weeks as they roll out with customers' billing cycles. Industry insiders have long anticipated another round of price hikes at Netflix, which last increased subscription fees in the United States in January of 2019. Recently, Netflix increased the cost of some plans in Canada. Netflix rolls out price changes, 
on a country-by-country basis, and the change, quote, in the U.S. does not influence or indicate a global price change, end quote, a Netflix spokesperson told The Verge. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support The Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. So first up on our conversation of everything that you just heard in the little newsreel there, we're not going to cover all of it or go in depth on like a lot of it, but I do want to cover some of the horror news that we've had in the last two weeks, starting with the I Know What You Did Last Summer TV series. That's going to be a YA series based on the movie. Linda, did we need a, uh, what did you do last summer? Oh, uh, well, no, but I mean, I understand that they want to stay on, like, you know, keeping with the trend, you know, all, a lot of horror movies are being turned into TV series now. So I'm not, surprise that oh okay well i'm kind of surprised that this one's being turned into a tv show but i'm not really surprised that you know that it's happening to a Mm -hmm. lot of horror movies uh personally (laughs) i (laughs) personally i would honestly prefer that they actually just do a series just based on lois duncan books just in general because middle school she was my favorite author i still have a book from from her uh i think it's called like the sands of time or something i can't remember it's late uh but i she was my favorite author hands down i read all of her books and i love them they're you know young adult mystery thrillers dealing with an abundance of topics like being in witness protection program witches the I Know What You Did Last Summer was a book from her before it became a slasher movie, which I thought was really interesting because last I remember, I think like no one really died in that book. <laughs> and um, there was also one based off like a hostage situation where like someone like took a busload of kids hostage. So it's a wide range of different things that's from the same author. And I think it would just the little middle schooler in me would think it'd be really cool to just have her books in general as a TV series. Cause I mean, like if you do it like on like Netflix or something, there wouldn't be a lot of seasons, which is great because she doesn't really have a ton of books to begin with. Yeah. I think you should have done it like that. Otherwise I feel like this is going to end up exactly like the screen TV series, which hey, is no. a total. 
It well, I mean, come on. I mean, I know what you did last summer is always being compared to Scream in like the slasher way, and I feel like the only way they're gonna make this as a TV series is if they follow what they did with Scream. And you know I'm right. You know I'm right. Yeah. And I mean, so- but why not just I, I get that this is Amazon producing and, you know, Amazon Studios with Sony Pictures are basically developing this and they have been for a couple of years now. But uh, why not just put that money behind something that had already like a pre-existing like franchise? Like, hey, why don't you give us a, you know, Scream the TV series season four and bring back the like old original OG cast and like, and then we like have more diversity. We throw in more actors and actresses and like, we just keep going with that because like, here's the thing as, as popular as, as popular as the what 1997 movie was um i know what you did last summer isn't really that palatable to like a a general audience if you're looking for viewership so in my mind it doesn't really make sense to do it but then again it is going to be written by sarah goodman who um basically wrote all of amc's preacher which i did watch a couple episodes of it and it was very interesting so maybe with the right writer and the right like showrunners and the right you know crew maybe this will end up positive but at the same time like there's not really much to work with with source material anyway but if if they did what you were saying which is like take all of those books take all of those books from Lois Duncan and you kind of make this little like mini series, kind of like an anthology almost. Yeah. Um, you could almost do it like a black mirror where every episode's different, you know, like do something like that. Like, but to give us a whole series that I don't know, we've just what go watch pretty little liars. I mean, come on. That's exactly. I know what you did last summer. I mean, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Like I'll be the first to admit it. But I am also the first to admit that it's very, very basic. Like, any way I think of how they would turn this into a TV show, I have already seen from a TV show. Just like back in 97, everything that I would expect from this movie, I have seen from a dozen other movies, like almost like a carbon copy. And, you know, I, I get that you can make that same argument with a bunch of other projects, but... I mean, sometimes, you know, they put in like their own little spin on it where I know what you did last summer doesn't really have room for any of those spins because it's just so generic and, you know, right down to the last detail. And so, I mean, they can do whatever they want. It's their money. Yeah. I just can't imagine any way that they can do it without it being like a total been there, done that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Like it just I mean, I guess it's going to be can you can they can Goodman and company like figure out a like an interesting way to tell the story cuz you know, make it like um, fresh and, you know, yeah. still make it something that's watchable without being like, oh, I could have just watched Scream or, you know, Pretty Little Liars and yeah, got the same thing. For all the shit that Scream the TV series and even Pretty Little Liars get at least like that had like a core base of people that like really loved the show. Right. Like, and you know, they tried, they tried to do something new specifically with scream the TV series. I mean, that's 
we we've seen it done more recently with you know like the exorcist tv show and like um i you know there's been like a friday the 13th tv show that's been in development hell for like ever now um it hasn't even got by the way when i say development hell i mean it hasn't even been developed yet they've just been trying to get it like on the on the board but i do like i do i would imagine that if they if they do go ahead with this and they actually get it um obviously it's been greenlit but if they actually get it like produced and put out I'll be interested to see how big their numbers actually are like per episode. Cause I wonder if they're going to do um, like a weekly release on Amazon prime or if they're going to do like, um, you know, we drop the show all at once. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, at least with scream it, it held itself up by two major things in my opinion. And that was the backstory behind you know the killer and like you know brandon james and just you know them figuring out clues to who brandon james was and how he's like connected to everything and also the meta charm that you got from the original movies yeah and so i feel like this show could probably have you know something to stand on if they go into a bit of like the killer's backstory as well um, yeah. they go into a, a little bit in more detail in the second and third one. Uh, I'm really glad I never actually watched the third one. I just like read synopsis on it because I was like, you're making him a zombie now. So that's kind of dumb, but yeah. they, they go into like an actual backstory that shows that like shows Ben Willis, the killer from being like a sympathetic dad who's just like out for revenge to him being like, oh, he was actually always a psycho. You just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if they maybe like go into Ben Willis a little bit more, because not a lot of people know him as a killer as well as they do with, you know, like Ghostface or Jason Voorhees, that might actually give it a little bit more creative credibility to make it worth watching. But that's I mean, an amazing point that I wouldn't have ever brought up. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's all about finding your niche and finding a new avenue of storytelling. If you can't do that, then really you don't have anything worthy of watching, especially, you know, why don't just go watch the Kevin Williamson 1997 version, you know? Like, yeah. why waste your time and invest all this time into a TV show that, like, isn't going to pan out the way you want it to? It's kind of how I felt about, like, the Purge TV show. I tried. Um, I tried watching it. And the I purge just, is just hard for me to watch in general. It just the more realistic it gets each year, the more I try to avoid watching it. <laughs> A quick snapshot <laughs> into 2025. After... I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I it get it. Scares me on like a whole personal level. I'm like, oh my god. The purge? You mean November 3rd, 2020? Next week, right? <laughs> Um, I don't like it. Yeah, no. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see like how that pans out. Um, in other horror news, we do have Texas Chainsaw Massacre that is being rebooted, and we got a first look at the new Leatherface in a poster. Now, right off the bat, I must say that I, I really like that poster. Like, if you haven't seen that poster, like, go check it out. It's like. It's like like matted like kind of like darker like tones but also like the fleshiness of it 
it mm-hmm. all reminds me of the very first like Toby Hopper, you know, 1974 version, right? Um, like the original movie. Like it takes me back to that kind of feeling with a nice like modern spin. Uh, just based off the poster, like, are you down for this movie? Like, if you just happen to, you know, you walk out of a movie, you just got done seeing Insidious Five, and you walk out of this movie, and you're walking down the hallway, and all of a sudden you see this poster like up in the lobby. Like, are you going to stop and look at it and then want to go see it? I mean, yeah. Oh, not, the, <laughs> not the response I was expecting you. Uh, eh. Okay, I'll give it this. It's the coolest poster that, you know, I've seen for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie Definitely. like thus far. I just... 3D who? <laughs> I had to watch that for my birthday once. So many people <laughs> left that theater angry. That's yeah, the I second time. Angry. Oh my god, that's like the second time that I went to the movies for my birthday with the same person too. And we watched a movie and everyone just leaves the theater angry. I think the first one was Silent House. Yeah. And well, yeah, I mean Yeah. You you go. You go. No, I I was just going to say like and what like oh what now he's the now I'm supposed to like that he's a protagonist like no like that was the issue with uh, so many times they try and like humanize these like villains and it's like no I I want the brutal nature of like the character like we're going to talk about it a little later but Halloween like the 2018 reboot or sequel of sorts soft reboot I guess uh that one and Halloween Kills look to be equally brutal and not try and make excuses for the killer or anything. It's just good old fashioned like slasher goodness and I'm here for it. So if that's what they're doing with this, um, you know, I- I'm all there for it. I mean, and it's directed by Fede Alvarez who did um, the Evil Dead remake and also did Don't Breathe. So those are two like highly like most mostly like well-regarded like um, films. So Maybe maybe we're getting a good sequel here or reboot. Uh, okay, I um, hmm. I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of go about this. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Linda, okay. bash on it. I understand where it was coming from with the whole like him being a protagonist because the protagonist we had been following that you know, thus far in, in that movie, uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D, uh, you know, from, from the beginning, all the way back to the 1974 original, it has been a staple that Leatherface has had this like undying loyalty for his family, no matter mm-hmm. what. So I kind of get where they were coming from, where as soon as he found out, you know, spoiler alert, who cares if you haven't watched it this far, it's your fault the protagonist ended up being his cousin. And so he's like, Oh shit, I can't kill you now. So he starts killing everyone else. So, I mean, I get that point. Oh, it's so stupid. No, I can't can't get. (laughs) I think what got me, there were two things, two major things in that movie that got me one where I was like, okay, it's a little stupid, but mm, fine. And then one more, which I know is like really stupid to get angry over, but it immediately shut me off to the movie. The first one was the continuity. It was supposed to be like a direct sequel to the original movie, like what Mm -hmm. they did with the recent Halloween movie. And it showed that like the mob, you know, killing Leatherface's family and all this stuff in 1974 
And the couple steals a baby from that family who ends up being the protagonist, Heather. And then it shows her as like a young, like 20 something year old in present day when she should have been like in her mid to late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. So that was the first thing that got me. And that was the thing that got a lot of people because we were like, okay, maybe it's like unclear, you know, quote unquote, as to what day the present day really is and then you see someone with an iphone and you're you know it clicks in your head like oh this is present day that's kind of weird mm-hmm. but this is so stupid but i don't care it, it gets me every time but the thing that really shut me off from that movie was that cringeworthy line heather gives leatherface when she's giving him the chainsaw do your thing cuz like shut up why didn't he kill you Mm-hmm. And as soon as I listen to that line, I'm just like, I'm out. I can't do it. Can't do it. You had me up until that point. I was willing to finish this up until that point, And I just couldn't anymore. And I, I have a thing for those groaners, those really cringeworthy lines. Sometimes all it takes is one before I'm like, this is horrible. Yeah, and depending on when know. they come. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally understand like one being enough and too much. Yeah, and it's just... And I guess, like, the other... We just had another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie come out, like, what, like, a year or two ago? And now Mm. they're having another one, and they keep getting worse? Yeah, they do keep getting worse. But, again, (laughs) Fede Alvarez, like, that's a good sign, right? Like, Yeah, I love the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, and Don't Breathe is is good too i mean i don't hold it as high up as other people do but i think it's solid like yeah um, but dylan minette though dylan minette is the main reason that i watched that movie i'm gonna be i know he's cute if that man ever like decides that he's not completely straight you know (laughs) i I might move to la um just saying but uh, no he could sing too he, he what he can sing too. He's a really good singer, and he's I know. handsome. Wallows is like one of my favorite indie bands oh, now. Yeah, anyway, so uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't get me started on Dylan Minnette. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, um, it's just a very good sign that they're bringing on Alvarez to direct and and helm the project. Now, if we if they start on production, they get these things going, and all of a sudden he exits the project, or you know the the producers ask him to leave because of creative differences right then and there. I'm going to be like, well, nope, that movie is going to be complete shit because if the producers are trying to come in and direct like a certain specific angle that he's trying to approach it with, um, then they have too much involvement. And that's been the issue in the past with this franchise has been a lack of, um, a lack of like direction, really like, where are you going with this? Why are you making this? What are you doing? And as long as he can plant firmly a very specific idea and a very specific direction for the film, I think it'll be successful. I mean, look, they, you know, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, you know, with uh, Halloween 2018, like they had a very specific angle and direction that they wanted to take. And luckily Mm -hmm. Blumhouse let them kind of just do their thing. And we got a really, really good movie out of it. Um, So that's all it takes. Just trust your creatives. I'm I'm hoping they put a lot of thought into the cast. I know it doesn't happen with all their movies, but in uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D, I mean, you know that, what? who was it? Was it like Trey Songs or something like that? 
Yeah, it's Trace. Was he? Yeah, he. You could tell that he was in it, you know, because it was like a total cash grab ploy, and I think them doing that showed that they put more thought into like, oh, I want this person because then people want to watch it. Other than this person would actually do great to this character. Not mm-hmm. saying that Trey Songs was bad for the role. In fact, he was, you know, he was fine. I mean, he did just as well as everyone else did in the movie. But I feel like if they put a little bit more. Th- thought into the casting and the characters it might take it in a different possibly better turn than they have with previous films because with previous films you you can tell that at one point it's just their characters that you've written instead of like they're you know people that you can connect with you know and so maybe that's you know one thing they can improve on (laughs) you know (laughs) we'll see we'll see and as this develops will give you more information about it um just based on the poster and the you know director attached like i'm more excited than i have been for a texas chance i'm asking moving quite some time um since the original actually and you know even fuck it even the jessica biel version like i i don't mind that movie as much as other people do oh i don't either so. I mean, it's a little, like, gross, like, not in terms of, like, the blood and, like, the, you know, cannibalism, but growing up, I always just thought it was a nasty film because everyone was just snotting all over the place and everyone was just yeah. dirty in the movie, and that always just grossed me out. Yeah, well, that's the point. It's supposed to be fleshy. It's, you know, yeah, I, it's I don't know. It, a little less snot, please. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, one complaint that Linda has had about, <laughs> about the past movie. One, she issues one statement on it, and uh, you must follow her direction. Less snot, please. Really, it's pretty, it's pretty simple if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, just right? stop snotting all over the place and I'll watch it. You know, it's fine. Hmm. It's just a little gross. You know what else is gross, Linda? And we're not going to dive into it, but um, the complete and utter failure of Jeff (laughs) Katzenberg's and Meg Whitman's Quibi, uh, which launched earlier this year and has subsequently already been shut down after the producers and the the founders of the company um, and the, you know, viral video uh, servicer, I guess, if you want to call it, even though it wasn't really that much at all of a servicer, um, even though I think it did get two Emmys for something for one of the shows or something on it, though. Um, but yeah, no, just wasn't uh, enough Emmys. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> shortly after they launched, uh, Katzenberg apparently went to like Apple and Warner Media and Facebook to try and get them to acquire the company. Um, earlier in the year before um, you know they went completely out of business because this is nearly, I mean, if we're talking like finances this is nearly a 1.75 billion dollar project that was launched earlier this year i mean quibi was supposed to be this mobile like app friendly servicer that gave you short form 10 minutes or less content but the issue was um you know it it wasn't necessarily free like uh youtube um where you can have short form content <laughs> or long form content so it tried to come into the market and compete and only being mobile friendly didn't help them either so uh you know they didn't have any like fire tv compatibility any roku compatibility apple tv none of it it wasn't on any of those and i must say that i watch uh, all of my content actually all of it on tv i don't watch it on my phone i don't watch it on my computer so for me 
this was never something that I was going to download or invest in because um, they had a four ninety nine plan with ads and then an ad free one for seven ninety nine. Complete failure. We don't need to talk about it. Uh, just after its initial three month trial, it lost over ninety percent of its subscribers. And the fact that Katzenberg and Whitman want to go and complain and and blame the pandemic is such utter bullshit. Um, it was only like five dollars. People kept Netflix, and that's more expensive. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? Um, uh, you can't blame the pandemic when virtually every other streaming platform saw their numbers increase, like their viewership increase because of the <laughs> pandemic. So I think your argument is kind of blatantly bullshit, and I see right through it. Now, if your argument is, um, you know even though you poured almost $2 billion into it. Uh, if your argument is, hey, like we launched this with a lot of money and we weren't you know, getting enough money to be able to sustain the short form content that we were trying to make with all these heavy hitter actors and stuff, fine. I guess I'll give you that. But even then, like, I think it's just a bad, a bad endeavor that you chose to go on. And, and while it might have been a good idea on the surface, um, the execution was a little poor. And yeah. Uh, People predicted this back in February. Like people were saying that it wouldn't be long before, you know, they basically went under because of, you know, the app compatibility and having it be only a mobile friendly app. Uh, it just doesn't make that much sense in a world where we have um, YouTube. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I'm going to say about Quibi. We also had from last week, Jared Leto is going to reprise his role as the Joker in Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League. Um, and that was an exclusive that THR, the Hollywood reporter, had. Um, this movie was supposed to be, you know, everyone was like, where's the Snyder cut? Where's the Snyder cut? And then Zack Snyder came out and was like, hey, this movie exists. But the more and more that we find out about what's really going on behind the scenes at, at Warner Brothers here, uh, there was no Zack Snyder cut. There may have been assembly footage that Zack Snyder had obviously shot for the Justice League. I'm not discrediting that. I think that, that was totally valid. There was no fucking movie here, like at all, uh, because the reports are now saying that Warner Brothers is like pouring in at least $70 million into this movie. It's a whole other movie. Like we're basically getting a whole other version of justice league that we didn't get before. So no one can really tell me that, that uh, there was a, a pre-existing cut that was out there. Just, you know, I, I guess shelved by the studio. I, I don't think that exists. Um, because yeah, you're, I mean, you're getting all these people to come back like Ben Affleck and you're reshooting all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, so you're just making a new movie. Anyway, nonetheless, I didn't hate the Justice League film that we got in 2017, and it's going to be on HBO Max. I am a big HBO fan. I have HBO Max, so I'm going to watch this movie. And I am really curious because I, I kind of felt bad for Jared Leto. I know he gets a lot of shit in Hollywood, but I felt a little bad for him because he really liked that role, and he really got entrenched in it maybe a little too much. But... For them to be like, ah, people didn't like your Joker, therefore, you know, all of those projects that we talked about, you know, and that we made with you, like with the, I guess the the blueprints for the DC universe going forward with Jared Leto as the Joker, like was basically just trashed the moment that Suicide Squad came out. So I felt a little bad and I thought that we would never see him as the Joker again. And to be able to get him back, um, I don't know, is that something that Lane's excited for? Uh, 
I don't think he really has an opinion when it comes to the Joker. I I mean, he's definitely not his favorite Joker, but I mean, it's not his least favorite either. I I personally want to say, but I think he's like more or less just really indifferent to to who's playing Joker and what he really did like Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal. So I think if anything, he probably would have like, I know you didn't. I, okay. I like Joaquin Phoenix. I didn't like the movie, but anyway, yeah, I, I know you didn't. I know we talked about it. Don't, don't worry. But I mean, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like if it was like really up to, to Lane, he would have like had like Cesar Romero come back as him because Cesar Romero's Lane's favorite portrayal of the Joker, like hands down. But That's I mean, funny. yeah, I mean, I think at this point we're all just willing to take who we can get when it comes to the Joker. Yeah, yeah, I totally. That's totally a fair point. Um, and I mean, yeah. like you said, it's really not fair that Jared Leto's getting so much shit for playing the Joker. Cause if you really like look at the big picture of everyone who's played the Joker, I mean, you got who like Cesar Romero, you've got Mark Hamill in the animated ones. You've got uh, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, and now Jared Leto. And if you like asked a million people, I guarantee you the polls for all those different Jokers would be pretty much even. I mean, you think? I, I honestly think so, because I know a lot of people that love Jared Leto's portrayal. I know a lot of people that hated it. And, you know, it goes back and forth with every single Joker out there, you know? Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I just want Jack Nicholson back. I know. Do you? I don't think we've ever talked about that. I'm just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> wow. You're just going to. Okay. I see. We're just trying to start shit now. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. fine. Something that I did um, that I did want to talk about specifically. I put this on the show notes for you. Um, Patrick Wilson is going to be directing Insidious 5 and is also going to be in, uh, like starring in it again as well. Um, so this just developed today. Like literally today I read the story. Um mm-hmm. And I just am so excited for this. Uh, Blumhouse is producing this, so it's sticking with its in its own like home. And um, yeah, I don't know. James Wan's producing. Lee Winnell's producing. Uh, a lot of people are producing this, and um, I figured this would make you uh, make one spooky Linda really, really happy. It does make Spooky Linda really, really happy. Did you see my? T- I I did retweet the article on Twitter because I, you know, I saw that the you know the borough re- like liked it or whatever. So I retweeted it and I said, and I quote, "Patrick Wilson can do anything he wants." <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I mean, I think it'd be really cool to see him direct a horror movie that he also starred in. And, you know, I, I'm guessing that his character is not going to be as big as it was in Insidious because from what I understand, it's actually supposed to be geared more towards Dalton when he's like going to college. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I get it if he wants to kind of like step away from that and focus more on the directing for this project. But I mean, just 
no matter what, I'm going to be so happy for him. I'm going to be so proud of him. And I'm going to love whatever, whatever magic he makes because he is amazing. And I love him and I want to watch it. Yeah. I'm looking at his face right now because I pulled up the article. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just talking to Patrick Wilson, apparently. Beautiful man. He know. is. Oh, my God. He's so beautiful. I love him. um yeah no i can't wait for this uh yeah i don't know i'm i'm excited to see his spin on insidious you know um to have like the veteran of the series not someone who's been you know super prevalent in it but certainly the first two um because he was in the second one wasn't he yeah he was in the first one and the second one and then the third and then fourth one i think it's just the third and fourth ones those ones kind of focused on like other you know stories but i think like they're like kind of brief like quote-unquote like cameos or whatever right right yeah but no substantial role um so i don't know i hope i hope it's a little bit more substantial of a role than the last couple but also i respect his decision to like direct and like hopefully we get just a really like solid horror film out of it you know and he's been working like he's been working with um ah, why can't I think of his name? Oh crap, 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 crap. Uh James Wan. Oh my mm-hmm. god, I kept wanting to say Lee Wannell. It's not you, Lee Wannell. Get away. James Wan. He's he's been working with James Wan for such a long time. And I and I feel like James Wan would actually be an incredible director to kind of work under and to like study from as a director because he's been making some really awesome movies over these last few years and you know, ever. <laughs> so I, I think if any director is out there for Patrick Wilson to kind of like have like as a mentor up till this point, it should be none other than James Wan, because I think, you know, learning from him and then having his own take, you know, after being in these horror movies and like studying these characters. Oh my God. He's going to do so well. Hmm. I love him. Well, one thing is for sure. Um, Hopefully it's not released on Netflix uh, because Netflix is raising its subscription prices both on the standard and premium plans. Um, And they confirmed as of today, the day that we're recording this on Thursday, that the standard plan is going from $12.99 to $13.99. Not too big, but its 4K premium plan is going from $15 to $17.99. So that is basically a $3 hike in the 4K premium plan. Uh, over the next two months the prices did take effect today for like new members so if you like you know you didn't have netflix if you're living under a fucking rock or something and you went to go sign up for netflix today um you you basically would have to pay for those prices but the current subscribers are basically going to be given like a 30 days um notice basically before their next billing cycle like reflects those changes um the entry level plan, however, remains fixed at eight ninety nine per month. So, if you're getting in on the entry level plan, you know at least you're still uh, gonna have that like low cost. But um, no surprise, they are in so much debt that they're gonna have to just keep hiking up their price if they want to continue sustaining the amount of content that they're releasing um, every 
every week it feels like uh but yeah netflix um you know meanwhile me and you know the hundreds of other people that don't actually pay for netflix get to sleep soundly tonight (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i don't i don't pay for netflix it's you know it's not really concerned i feel bad for the people that have to pay for netflix like lane but i mean i don't have to pay for it yeah i haven't paid for it since like 2015 um i've never paid for it uh before i was dating lane i think i was you know stealing off my brother and then you know i started dating lane and i was like hey you got a netflix too so yeah no i've never had to pay for netflix wow cheater 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 (laughs) pumpkin eater it's not my fault i'm well liked you know Are you what? not going to eat pumpkins? Yeah, gross. No. Well, I mean, you know, I I like pumpkin spice stuff, but I'm not going to eat a whole ass pumpkin for you, Jared. I, you know, that wasn't a requirement for the burrow, but now that you mention it, uh, you, we might as well do it. What about no, a pumpkin eating pumpkin. contest? Oh my yeah. god, that sounds horrible. Whoever can eat the most pumpkin. <laughs> a pumpkin spice eating contest. Now that might get you somewhere. Hmm. All right, no go on the pumpkin. That's fine. Uh, pumpkin spice isn't real pumpkin. Fight me, but uh, whatever they they put, you know, they, there's an essence of pumpkin in there. Oh, an essence, know? a fragrance, essence, if you will, you know, a, a dash of pumpkin in there. Um, technically, this is our Halloween episode, by the way. So hey, I, I don't, I don't know why we haven't mentioned that, but yes, this is the Halloween episode. And here we are fighting about whether or not there's actual pumpkin and pumpkin spice. Mm. Well, this is what the burrow come to. It's like midnight. I'm allowed to talk about whatever I want at this point. Yes, yes, yes. It is midnight. And you've got work in the morning. So that sucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's a choice I made. Hey, there is a typing feature. What the fuck? There's a what? Do you see this? Right? Do you, do you see that? Oh my god. What is this? When did this happen? Hey, we can we can talk shit about it. <laughs> 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 oh my god. That's so weird. Why would we need to type to each other when we can just talk to each other? Why is I... this a... Oh my god, what if it's so then like if you have like multiple people on the podcast, you you can like talk shit to like towards other people. Like, hey, and you shut the fuck up. <laughs> at at other people on the podcast. <laughs> that's funny. I um, it. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. Well, the more you know, I guess. Um I suppose it might be nice to uh, finally get into I'm worried about what you're typing. I'm not typing anything. You're not, but it's telling me that you're typing. You're typing. Wow. So uh, Zencaster is a snitch. A smarkle. A a smarkle. Spumpkin. Uh, That's how (laughs) I'm going to read that. Uh, There's a sparkle of pumpkin pumpkin spice. uh, Fragrance. Okay, so we can we can we can talk about other stuff and still have this argument, Jared. That's true. Great. True. Cool. Uh, speaking of other stuff, we are going to move into the review portion of the podcast, even though we spent the first like twenty minutes of the podcast basically talking about how amazing Hill House was. Yeah. Um, but 
We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about not only uh, basically the rest of this podcast is dedicated to Blumhouse. So um, expect more of that when you come back. We're going to cover the new Halloween kills footage that we got from Blumfest that occurred today um, on the 29th. And then we're going to cover Welcome to the Blumhouse films, the four films that we talked about like earlier this month, maybe the beginning of last month. Um, on the podcast and we're going to review those films for you right after a quick break i wanted to tell you a little bit about our website theborreviews.com if you like indie movies or blockbuster movies and anything in between really on our site you'll find podcast movie reviews opinion articles and more content that covers all types of cinema but we especially love a good horror movie here at the borough if you're looking for a review of your latest project we got you covered Simply search theburrreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews. Your movie refuge. So, like I mentioned previously, Blumhouse um, put on a like virtual, like kind of panel essentially for uh, Freaky and for Halloween Kills and a couple of their other projects like The Craft Legacy. Um, and out of that little like virtual event panel that we had from them today, uh, we also got a new thirty-second. Halloween Kills teaser. Um, This is the second teaser. Our first teaser was basically nothing, showed really no new footage other than like one scene. Um, This, however, is entirely new, and we were supposed to be getting this movie this year. It was supposed to be releasing this year, and now that it's not, and we're a year out, um, I think they decided to give the fans a little taste of what's to come next year. Um, So let me ask you, on the scale of 1 to 10, was the Halloween Kills trailer everything that you would hope for? And let me answer that for you. It was, and it's going to be better than <laughs> Halloween 2018. There you go. Wow. Wow. I'm not eating pumpkins, Jared. I could have said something. <laughs> All you. Uh, no, what did you What did you think of this teaser? It was okay. It was okay? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it was, it was, you know, it was fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> did we watch the same teaser? It was, it was great. It was amazing. It was there perfect. we go. There we go. I dictate what Sorry, you guys, say on I this the podcast. Wrong words. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I immediately noticed a quick little tidbit of um like a hospital scene with allison yeah so i'm kind of wondering if they're gonna have like just kind of like an homage to halloween 2 and having like a hospital sequence of some sort because you know they're probably not going to do the whole plot in the hospital because i doubt you know with these new halloween movies they're still you know trying to keep it fresh while you know still having kind of like the connections to the previous movies so I'm I'm interested in what they're doing for that. Um, I do have a question for you, though. Yes. So 
I mean, we we knew going in that Anthony Michael Hall was going to be playing Tommy. And He's they old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, what do you expect? But Yeah, I mean, it mentions that he replaced Paul Rudd in playing Tommy Doyle, which is fine, but he played Tommy Doyle in a completely different timeline that yes. the old Halloween movies followed. But what about the original Tommy Doyle? Like Well, I think that's so that's what they're that's what they're kind of going for here, right? Like they're Yeah. It's yeah, it's the OG. So I I I don't Yeah, but the original Tommy was Brian Andrews, not Anthony mm-hmm. Michael Hall. Yes, I don't know why. I don't know why we went Anthony Michael Hall, but you know what? Uh, I actually kind of like the casting here. Um, the one shot that we do get of Anthony Michael Hall in this movie holding that baseball bat. Yeah. It's almost like he's leading that angry mob. Um, I It confused me when that casting announcement happened um, because I thought that we were like going back to the basics, but you know, at the same time, like I, I, I do think that Anthony Michael Hall, f- once we see more of him, I feel like I'm going to be more at ease. I think it was a good decision, but again, like we haven't really seen anything like substantive from the movie yet, other than this teaser. Yeah, and I mean, like Anthony Michael Hall, he's he's a good actor. I, I really haven't really been seeing him in much since his like old movies that he's actually like known for. But I I don't have anything against him. It's just a very weird casting choice when they're like going out of their way to try to get like the people who are originally yeah. in the first Halloween, but yet the original Tommy Brian Andrews isn't coming back. I just thought yeah. it was like a little confusing. I didn't know if there's an actual reason or if they're like, now nah, let's get Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, I haven't seen a reason. So I'm completely in the dark about that but like they got like lindsey wallace like the like yeah um, they got the kyle actor. richards yeah they got kyle richards back um yeah it it does seem like they made a point to go back and get like the original characters um but for whatever reason i don't know i don't know why they chose to like not do it um huh. but i think just based on the footage that we get in this teaser i think that andy matichik is going to be the standout performance of halloween kills it looks like they've given her like a lot more to do in the story. Yeah. I mean, I really hope that like, yes, they can, you know, bring in new slash old characters like Lindsay and Tommy and, you know, any new characters. That's totally fine. I just, I really hope that they keep, a good focus still on the relationships between Lori and Karen and Allison, because those were the three that really tie you into the last movie. They were pretty much the heart and soul of the last movie, especially their characters and their relationship with each other. So I just hope they kind of grow off that rather than just being like, okay, they're, they're done. Now let's, you know, focus on other people. So I'm just, I'm hoping they do that. Um I think they will. Uh there's yeah. a really like excellent like um basically angled shot. Um it, it was a bottom up shot of um uh Judy Greer. Um and basically it looked like she had just like won a battle over someone or something. It looks like she has the like high ground essentially. Yeah. And um I don't know the dynamic between those three while they're not really there's a I think there might be one 
scene where like i think judy greer and and um and jamie lee curtis are like in the same like area together like you know karen and laurie um but other than that like they all seem to be in different places uh, throughout this movie from what Mm -hmm. we can see and uh, that makes me really excited because i think like yes while they are like super strong together i also want to see them kind of break down you know not being around each other and having to hold their own i i I don't think judy greer is going to get out of this movie alive and i'm not you said that about the last movie though yeah but like honestly this time there's a shot of of um of Allison at the very end of this teaser where she's like, it almost looks like she's looking up at a staircase. Um, and, uh, that scene particularly, she looks pretty horrified. Um, it looks like it's towards the middle to end of the movie. And it, I, I do think that it's possible, very possible, very likely that she's watching her mom get killed. Um, I, I don't think while Judy Greer, ha- because here's the thing, Judy Greer had her standout moment already, you know, like yeah. Allison didn't really get any like, like badass standout moment that like Karen did with the gotcha moment um, where she like tricked Michael into the basement, essentially. Uh, I, I think that she had her moment and she She's had her character arc, right? She didn't believe her mom. Now she believes her mom. She got her badass moment. I think there's not much that you can do with that character outside of... I mean, they'll build her up, obviously. I don't think that she's going to die right away, but I do think she's not making it out of this movie. And yes, I did I did predict it wrong last time. But you know what? I, I think this time I think I'm right, and I you, will... You think so? Bet yeah. you $5. You'll give me $5 if Judy Greer comes out of this alive? Yes. Okay, you're on. Because I, I I, think with as much buildup as they have of, like, showing us, like, okay, she's she's not the timid daughter that, you know, you were made to believe throughout the whole movie. Like, she knows how to stand around. I think it just wouldn't really do a whole lot if they just, like, kind of up and kill her no matter what time in the movie. I think there's going to be a lot of sacrifice to be made to save Allison at some point, but I don't think it will ultimately end in her death. I think one of them will for sure die in, you know, Halloween ends one of them. I don't know who, but I think the three of them will still at least make it through this movie before the next. Fair enough. Um, But it is called Halloween kills and let yeah, me just well, say Halloween killed every year for these people yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not point. a fair assumption <laughs> fair point but I'm thinking more of like um if we're going the typical like trilogy story structure typically the second one is supposed to be the like the empire strikes back you know her- heroines your protagonists are defeated um and like I think that we might get a hint of that here but that's just my input if we're, if we're doing that, then I'd like to, um, I'd like to, you know, recall back to Scream 3 when Randy said anyone in the trilogy can die, including the main character. And that was at the third part, not the yeah. second part. Well, Judy Greer isn't the main character, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's very important, like a main character. I mean, that trio works together as one. They are the trio. They are, if I might say it, the Sydney, Gale, and Dewey of this movie this far. Um, 
I don't think we're going to agree on this. <laughs> uh, we can keep going back and forth. It's it's fine. This is just, you know, this is what I got. Fair enough. Well, we have money down on it now, so it's a real okay. bet. And we will see next year what happens to these characters. But I, I do think oh, that... I mean, yeah. just, just, you know, holding my own real quick... I am on Judy Greer's IMDb page right now, and she's mm-hmm. already on for Halloween Ends. I mean, I don't Listen, know if it's just for like you know a backstory or you know. Oh, oh, okay, okay. They do Jared. lie. They do oh, lie Jen. all the time. They don't credit <laughs> people, and then they credit people that end up dying, and then they're not on the credits. Like we've seen this happen so many times. Like, uh, like, uh, hello, The Walking Dead. Like, I'll um, believe it when it happens. I'll believe it when it happens. Fair enough. Um, okay. Well, next. That, speaking of uh, more Blumhouse stuff. Um, we have got four movies for you that we checked out over the past week that released at the beginning of the month um, under the banner of Amazon Prime's Welcome to the Blumhouse. And we talked about it once on the podcast, uh, maybe twice even, I think twice. Um, but we watched the movies, uh, Linda watched two, I watched two, and we're going to share with you a little bit about what we thought of these movies. So for me, I had Evil Eye and Black Box, and uh, what movies did you have, Linda? I had The Lie and Nocturne. The Lie and Nocturne. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard just not great things about Nocturne, but we're going to get into that. First, um, I want to cover Evil Eye. So Evil Eye was the second movie that I that I watched in my go-around here. Um, Evil Eye follows a, stup- a superstitious mother that is convinced her daughter's new boyfriend is the reincarnation of a man who tried to kill her 30 years ago. Um, the director is on uh, Ellen Dasani, and um, it stars Sarita Chaudhuri, um, Sunita Mani, and Bernard White, with an appearance by um, Omar Mascali. And uh, I must say that this movie's like premise is so interesting. Like I, I couldn't get enough of the premise of it. Basically you have this Indian family, um, the daughter, uh, played, um, who, whose name is, um, uh, Pallavi, uh, who is played by Sunita Mami is, um, in America. And she currently, um, is being like hounded by her parents, essentially that she needs a boyfriend and she needs to marry into a good family. Um, and there's this whole like structure of culture here that's working against each other. Um, you know, these traditions from Indian culture where um, you don't have as much quote independence as, as people might have in America. It's a constant battle between her and her mom about this. And the whole movie basically revolves around these two characters, the mother and the daughter. And everyone thinks that the mother is crazy because basically she, um, she hires a private investigator to investigate uh, Pallavi's new boyfriend, uh, whose name is Sandeep. And Sandeep uh, is a really successful like engineering major. Uh, I don't know if he's an engineering major. He's something um, super successful. He's got money. He's got his life figured out. And based on like his astrological signs, um, her mother determines that basically uh, this is the same guy that tried to kill her. 30 years ago and he's been re- reincarnated um 
really cool concept. I think the problem with this movie is we spend too much time on FaceTime. Like the mother and daughter, like every other scene is the mother and daughter having a different conversation over Skype. And you get these very like, you get very little times where we're separated from that, where um, eventually, you know, by the end of the movie, her mother does like come down to America and, and spend some time with her. But up until that point, it's all over FaceTime. And you get some scenes with um, Pallavi's like parents here where they're like basically bickering back and forth and talking, but it, it has a very um, repetitive structure to it. And I think that uh, ultimately holds it back. Um, out of both the movies I watched, though, this is by far the one that I like the most. Um, and okay. that simply comes down to uh, the acting that I think like all around is just really phenomenal. Um, no matter if you're talking about the father, the mother, Sandeep, uh, you know, Pallavi, I think all of the characters here are like, they're, they're actually like worked into the story really well and they all feel very individualistic, but it just, the structure of the story is just too repetitive for me. And I end at a six out of 10 for this movie. Um, the other movie that I watched was black box and black box, uh, is kind of think of black box is almost like, um, an episode of black mirror, uh, an elongated episode of black mirror. Um, after losing his wife and his memory in a car accident, a single father undergoes an, um, an agonizing experimental treatment that causes him to question his reality and who he really is. So this is directed by Emmanuel Osai Kofer and, um, uh, this story, um, it didn't take too long for it to pick up, but even though it did pick up quite quickly compared and it unraveled pretty, like, I would say pretty quick compared to the other movie evil eye that I watched. Um, I would say this one felt just too, almost too like low key like it had a subtleness to it and usually i really appreciate that when i'm watching movies especially like horror movies it's kind of this like cerebral horror right but it it feels too slow and it doesn't feel like it has any sort of um uh stamina to like keep going for its hour and 40 minute runtime um it's pretty predictable too like i predicted the whole entire thing uh pretty quick mind you um, but it's at the at the heart of the story. It's it's about a father and his daughter and and trying to reconnect after a tragic event. You know, the daughter loses her mother and he loses his wife. And it's a story about getting back to the past and getting back to who you really were. And while the story here is fascinating, I just don't think it was necessarily like executed all that well. Um, there's nothing that really makes it stand out compared to so many other projects that I've seen, like the obvious comparisons, just because this is a mostly black cast, you know, people are going to compare it to get out. And there is kind of this like hypnotic, like dreamlike quality to this movie. Um, but it's going to get compared to like get out and, um, and it's going to get compared to oddly enough. it, It kind of reminds me of come true almost, um, not nearly as like, uh, dark and like nihilistic as that movie was, but, it's dealing with dreams and it's dealing like r- with like reliving the past. Yeah. But ultimately it comes up short and I believe I gave this movie either a four or five. Um, yep. I think I gave it a four. I really wanted to like it. 
but at the same time the writing just was too it it was so strange like the the child here is written to act like the parent in some situations which is a nice little gag you know for like comedic like purposes like you know having the kid be the adult in the relationship is always funny but they like hammer that home too much until the very end where she just becomes a kid again like wanting to spend time with her father and wanting her father back um outside of that this really doesn't do much for me at all um so yeah that's where i stand with my two where did you find yourself when you were watching yours uh, uh, <laughs> I would give the lie. I'll be generous and give it like a five out of ten. Uh, Nocturne, I would give it a little higher of a rating. I would say like a six out of ten. Like it wasn't terrible. It was definitely the lesser of two evils between the two, but yeah. it wasn't really great by any means. Uh, but I just, I knew for sure that I liked The Lie least. Was just not not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah. Mm, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, The Lie, here's the, the overall plot that they gave you on IMDb. Uh, a father and daughter are on their way to dance cat dance camp ooh, when they spot the girl's best friend on the side of the road when they stop to offer the friend a ride their good intentions soon result in terrible consequences um what the main thing that drew me to this movie was the cast namely yeah. peter sarsgaard and joey king there is also muriel enos i think that's how you pronounce it um, but that's just the trio. Uh, Joey King was the daughter. The other two were the parents. And uh, I just thought with like that casting and with that plot, it would actually be really decent. But mm, my God, they the daughter, Kayla, is played out to be the spoiled little brat that just kind of does whatever she wants. She's the reason why everything keeps going wrong in this movie. And the mom like even like points out like she's a spoiled little brat like we need to like have her stop and like nothing ends up happening to change things for the better and uh, <laughs> um the mom has definitely suspicions like was what happened an accident or is our daughter like an actual like sociopath like, is her spoiled tendencies just taking a turn for the absolute worst? Because while the parents are, you know, panicking and, like, trying to find ways to cover up this big old lie, the daughter's just, you know, walking around like nothing ever happened. Like, I, I did it. I don't care. And it's just, you can, you can, I definitely was, like, rooting for the mom the most between the three because she actually had, like, good intentions throughout the movie the dad was just you know was just like it's my daughter i can't let anything bad happen to her i'm gonna do whatever i can no matter what while while the mom's like this is wrong like we we need to get help like i i don't know if our daughter's like okay mm -hmm. and so it just i made it really hard to watch when this girl 
being so horrible is like being supported. Like I get it. It's it's their daughter. They want to do whatever they can for her. But she's doing all this stuff that's like low-key like you know inching people more and more towards them as suspects to the crime that happened. Like, you know, she left evidence behind. They told her to stay inside when people were like asking about her. And she like comes out and like proves that the parents are being liars. And it's like, this girl is just seriously just trying to get you guys in trouble. And I'm not here for it. (laughs) And And then the ending. Oh my God. The ending. I, I had suspicions about it, but I kind of, I kind of predicted the ending, but then it just kind of, it took a turn, which I was surprised. The ending, like, in a way did really surprise me, and it kind of, kind of made me stay for the end. But at the same time, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because, like, it was one of those, like, evil wins in the end when there was, like, no reason for it to. Like, there were so many things that could have happened throughout the movie that could have changed this outcome that ultimately just ended up not happening because it's just so many people acting in a panic, and it's just it just drove me nuts. It was very stressful to watch. I had a migraine after watching it, and it just well, stressed me out. I feel like once you're in Slenderman, um, you're kind of cursed <gasps> at anything else you do. I mean, uh, the act after Slenderman, and the act was so good. So I was like looking forward to watching her in like another like crime suspense movie. But I was just like, I hate you. Bummer. Yeah. But I mean, you know, and then uh, Nocturne. Nocturne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nocturne. However, um, an incredibly gifted pianist makes a fashion bargain. I don't know if I pronounced that right. To overtake her older sister at a prestigious institution for classical musicians. This one I definitely liked a lot more. I wouldn't really go as far as to say it was like a, a great movie, but it's. Definitely one that I would actually kind of watch again if someone else wanted to watch it. <laughs> um, it stars Sydney Sweeney as the main character, Julia, and Madison Eisman. It says her older sister, but in the movie they talk about being twins. So, I mean, I, I think she was like older by like two minutes, so that might be why. But she played Vivian. And... There's a lot of side characters, but it mostly just focuses like on the twins or just on Juliet herself. Um, it's kind of a movie that kind of makes you makes the main characters seem a little isolated in a way, which I like that approach because she seems like kind of an outsider to begin with. Mm-hmm. But the movie gave me a very weird vibe between Black Swan and I want to say Suspiria just because of its use of colors in the movie and its use of uh, musical numbers and Mm -hmm. just kind of the style of it. But storyline wise, it's very reminiscent of Black Swan and it, it, it works in its favor. It made it a very watchable movie. Uh, But yeah, it's basically just a twin sister that's been living in her quote unquote older sister's shadow uh, she's just as good of a musician as her, but she somehow can't really find a way to have her own spotlight. Yeah. And so she ends up finding this like mysterious book that has sheet music in it. And it also has like 
weird pictures in it that seem to speak to her in a way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more a certain picture speaks to her, the more things begin happening that negatively affects her twin Vivian, but ends up in a positive outcome for Juliet. So it's like the worse things happen for Vivian, the better things happen for Juliet in her mind, though. Like you, you kind of see as like an audience, like the way it's kind of negatively affecting her relationships with other people, not just her twin, but she doesn't really seem to care. Cause she's so just entranced in the idea of just, you know, being better for once. Cause the whole movie just kind of revolves around her, like trying to have this solo act at a, a competition for her school that her twin sister originally had after another student, like mysteriously committed suicide. And it's just, it's very interesting. And like I said, I would definitely watch it again. It's just, I wouldn't really, I think the thing that's really holding me back from this movie is the fact that I wouldn't really call it a horror movie. It was definitely more on like the thriller side and mm-hmm. it, it's it got a good atmosphere for what it is. It's just, it wasn't like fantastic. It was, but it was actually like kind of decent. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to go back and revisit. I I may go back and watch the two that you uh, watched, but I'm not going to revisit mine probably. Um, I really appreciate though, like what Blumhouse did in producing these stories, giving underrepresented, you know, underrepresented communities a chance to actually like make different unique content that isn't really in the theatrical market right now. Um, And, you know, giving them projects to actually like take up creative space. Um, And yeah, the stories were like unique for the most part, like really um, they did pull from several different other like (laughs) uh, past, you know, horror movies, past films in general. Um, But at the same time, like I always appreciate those like fresh perspectives and the fact that they, you know, gave these films to directors that aren't, you know, likely to be given a film and, you know, a studio produced on a studio produced budget anyway. Um, right. No, I do. I do think we need more of this. Like, I'm not saying like, don't take us bashing on these films is a saying that you shouldn't be doing this. Um, you totally should. I always, I always, always, always want more content and I want diverse content um, because, you know, the same stuff, it gets boring. Um, so like evil eye specifically, that was something that was like pretty much new to me. And, uh, because of that, I was intrigued right off the bat. Um, so yeah, I, I welcome, I welcome more of these stories. Let's keep the ball rolling on it. You want to know something crazy actually? Hmm. Keep in mind, we, we picked, I like I, I picked these two movies to watch out of the four. I, you know, just kind of decided to watch these two because they were the ones with plot lines that kind of, you know, spoke to me the most. And as you've heard, they're both very, very different movies, but they both started out the exact same way. Hmm. What do you mean? Yeah. Both of them began with like you know how like some movies where like kind of goes over like teenagers or like a family it kind of starts with like a home movie segment of them like growing up oh wow yeah they both started off that exact 
that exact way, you know, just home movies of them as kids. And then it goes to the present day. And I was just like, what the hell? Hmm. And that would that was completely random. So it that was, was like that's a little shit. spooky. Spooky Halloween uh, episode. Spooky <laughs> happening to me. Man, these two these last two episodes are just beasts in time. I oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Our, our bad. Sorry. Our bad, yeah. Well hopefully you're listening. This this far, hopefully. You better be listening. You really better be. I, I did not stay up until 1230 for you guys not to listen. Or there's going to be some strangers at your door. Oh, my God. You don't even know where I live. Huh? I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about we're going to be at their door. Oh, yeah. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like finding me, scary Jared. Uh, That's so funny. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's move into our last segment. Um. And uh, basically talk about like what's new to streaming this week. And there's one major thing. And yes, we're going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it too much. But I am going to cover it when we return from the break. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. We upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies. And we even have some Let's Plays on there. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Lately, we have been heavily focused on our curated horror content. We do have a goal, however, to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now, we are about 15 away from reaching that goal, and it would mean everything to the team here at the Borough to be able to reach it by the end of this year. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the videos a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications in the future when we upload a new video. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. And finally, uh, just in case you were bored this weekend on your Halloween, quarantine's got you in lockdown, you can't go trick-or-treating, sad day, maybe you should just eat a whole pumpkin, because oh that's what I'll Oh my do. god. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I just god, I eat. hate them, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about like what we got new to streaming this weekend, and really it comes down to like two things. So... I mean, we have The City is So Real on Nat Geo. Ooh. Um, it's a five-part docuseries about the 2019 Merrill. Merrill. <sighs> I know. It's late. I know. I just, it, it sounded like you were going to say the Mayo election, and I just kind of. That's what basically I was going to say. The 2019 Mayo election. The 2019 mayonnaise election. Um <laughs> mayoral election in chicago and what has happened in the city since so the new york times has deemed this series radically curious whatever the fuck that means um and it's examined i hate critics sometimes as someone who is a critic damn like get out of here with that bullshit (laughs) you don't make Um, sense i know uh, in this examination of the complexity of urban politics. So that's really interesting. It's a political show from Nat Geo. Uh-huh. So you kind of know what to expect from it. But if you want a deeper look at Chicago and all of its geopolitics, I recommend go mm-hmm. checking that out. We also have The Craft Legacy, which we talked about earlier in the podcast. It's a long-awaited sequel to the 1990s classic The Craft. Um, and it picks up with 
four new teen witches as they discover their supernatural powers and struggle to control them. And what do you know? Blumhouse has produced this show too, because damn, mm-hmm. this is basically the Blumhouse episode. We've yeah. talked about nothing but Blumhouse, I feel like. Um, yeah. I mean, they are doing good work for horror. Like, they've basically made horror mainstream in the past few years. So that's really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, no, um, they've released an online viewing party kit with tips for staging a remote watch with your own coven. Um, and it's Cute. on demand right now. Uh, they also had the craft panel at Blumfest earlier today, which we had talked about earlier. So if you're interested in that panel, go check it out. Um, finally, we have The Mandalorian, which is on Disney+. Plus, um, Season 2 premiering tomorrow. Um, there had been speculation that Baby Yoda fans might be kept waiting for more of the saga due to the pandemic, but the show actually wrapped filming before production shut down. Um, so they were able to complete post-production and basically everything during lockdown and then, you know, schedule it, set up for release for, you know, the tail end of October. So that's going to come out. Um, and I, I do believe they're releasing weekly episodes, so they're going to do what they did last time with their release, which I really like that weekly format better than just something dropping all at once. And then me feeling bad that everyone else has binged it. And I'm like, what do you even do with your life? And I'm just, you know, I'm trying to work and do school and, and this person over here has already watched the whole thing. And I'm like, great. Now I have to avoid spoilers. Like that actually like eases the tension of that a little bit. So if you want more star Wars in your life and you liked the Mandalorian season one, which I struggle with, um, go watch the Mandalorian season two this weekend. We also have a Netflix. Uh, I think it's a, it's a series of sorts. Uh, it's, um, David Letterman and my next guest needs no introduction. And, uh, basically it's, um, a whole run of episodes where, uh, he talks with a bunch of different celebrities, everyone from Lizzo to Kim Kardashian, Dave Chappelle and Robert Downey Jr. for like one-on-one conversations and visits to their private homes and workspaces. So he sees kind of where they come from in their everyday life, you know, what they're working on, um, talking with them about various things, all while being in their own like private home and space. So it's kind of interesting if you want to see what these celebrities like live like. I think this is going to be a good show to watch, especially David Letterman's such a cool guy. So if you like David Letterman, go check this out on Netflix. But really, it's all going to be The Craft and um, The Mandalorian this weekend, yeah. I think. Uh, are you going to check out The Craft at all? Oh, uh, uh, I'll see how much it is. But I do kind of want to check it out. I just don't yeah. want to spend that much money on it because I'm being cheap right now. Yeah, I'm but- not going to spend money on it. But if I, you want to. <laughs> I love the original craft. It's one of my favorite like witchy movies because it's, you know, it's grungy, you know, punk rock and about yeah. witches. So, of course, why wouldn't I like it? So, yeah, no, I've been I've been keeping my eye on this new one for a long time. But that's like literally the only thing I'm seeing here that I would actually watch. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really watch like shows that are kind of that are radically curious if I dare put it i don't watch mandalorian and i don't really i really can't get into shows on netflix that are centered around late night talk show hosts or comedians that's fair it's a very niche market i I feel that too um i like david letterman i probably won't be checking it out though no don't don't let me discourage you if you like david letterman by all means go to try jared 
listen, I have Bly Manor. <laughs> I have Evil that I have to watch. I have like 10 other shows that I, I started and haven't finished. Also, let me go to my checklist here. Let's see. Oh my God. I wanted to watch... Uh, um, I'm thinking of ending things on Netflix. I wanted to watch Spiral on Shudder. Uh, I have a film submission that's been sitting in my inbox for um, over a month and a half now that I need to get to. Uh, I am... Um, I am behind. So adding one more. Oh, also I have a video game review that I'm supposed to be doing for morbidly beautiful at some point this month, if I ever get the code for it. Uh, and so like, I have like 10 billion things going on right now. So adding one more thing on, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's worth it. Oh, well, but, uh, yeah. Oh, well, that's the show. That's Woo. the Halloween show. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. This release is a day before Halloween. So we hope um, that you have a very safe Halloween, social distancing, masks. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, if you're doing Halloween right, you would have a mask anyway. Uh, No, just kidding. You can do so many different things for costumes. You don't have to have a mask, but you do have to have a mask this year. If that makes sense. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah. We hope you're safe. We hope you get a lot of treats. Uh, less tricks. Uh, I think we've had enough tricks this year for everyone. And uh, in the meantime, if we do take a hiatus, I apologize, but we will be back. Uh, if we don't take a hiatus, expect us next week um, and expect us to not have as long of an episode. But, you know, we covered four films. We covered a whole ass TV show. We covered a bunch of horror news. Um, and uh, I think it was a pretty successful Halloween themed episode. Woo! So with all that being said, take care, everyone. And we will see you on the next episode. That is all from Scary Jared. That is all from Spooky Linda. Have a fun and safe Halloween. Make good choices. Don't do anything stupid. Keep the social distancing in mind. But, you know, have fun. Mm-hmm. And then on Tuesday, we're going to kick Donald Trump's ass. There we go. Go out and vote also. Yes, uh, vote. Uh, that's probably a political statement that I should not make, but I made it anyway. Yeah, so. Jared fucked up. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you listen to the podcast, you know where I stand. I'm pretty um, sure if you've known Jared longer than three seconds, you know where he stands. Yeah, pretty much. I have to put that <laughs> three in use somehow. Somewhere. Thank you so much, everyone. Vote, have a safe Halloween, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.